Thank you for listening to the podcast of Palmetto Baptist Church. We pray that as you listen to the following message, that it will encourage you to continue to connect, grow, and serve in your relationship with God and with others. I'm sure you were asking this question as you came in tonight. You were thinking the question, why is it that for the vast majority of ladies... It takes nine months to give birth. That's what you were thinking as you came in, wasn't it? No. Well, it should have been. Should have been what you were thinking. Why does it take nine full months for most ladies to give birth? You ever wondered that? Why didn't God just design it so that maybe you'd be pregnant five and a half weeks and then you'd give birth to a fully grown baby? I don't know. That's just not the way he designed it. Maybe it's because God wanted to make sure that we understood that it takes time for things to develop. And so he said, let's make it nine full, long months. I've asked a similar question before. Not all that similar, but yet similar in terms of having to wait for something. I've often wondered... Okay, Christmas was sometime around 2,000 years ago, and there was a lot of time that came and went before Jesus was born. Why did God wait so long? Why didn't he come sooner? Why didn't he come 1,000 years or 2,000 or 3,000 years sooner? Why did he wait so long before he came? People needed him back in Moses' time. Why didn't he come then? We certainly needed him back in Abraham's time. Why didn't he come then? Or even back as early as the first man and woman. Boy, Lord knows we needed Jesus to come then. Why didn't he come earlier? Perhaps the Apostle Paul had some insight into the answer of that question. He said in Galatians chapter 4, He says, but when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth his son made from a woman and made under the law in order to redeem those who were under the law that we might become adopted as God's children. Did you get that first phrase? When the fullness of time was come. Somehow, in ways that I cannot begin to fully understand, God waited about sending Jesus because he needed to give some time for things to develop. And according to the scripture, about 2,000 years ago, on a night perhaps not unlike the night that we will experience tonight, God decided it was time. The fullness of time had come. And it went something like this, according to Matthew's gospel to begin with. He says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. That means it was as follows. When, as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they ever came together intimately... She was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being an honest man, not willing to make a public fool of her, 
was minded to put her away privately, that is, to divorce her privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said to him, Joseph, you son of David, do not be afraid to take for yourself Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is not from some other man, but from the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The name Jesus means God saves. Now all this was done that it might be fulfilled that which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took to himself his wife. And he did not know her intimately until after she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. Luke gives us a further elaboration on that night. He says, it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus, that would be the Roman emperor, that all the world should be taxed. And this registering for taxation was first made when Serenius was governor of Syria. And all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because Joseph was of the house and lineage, the family tree of David. To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward all mankind. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now. Go even unto Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came in a hurry, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they who heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. And Mary, the mother, kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told unto them. Days pass and days go by. And several months later, 
another passage comes into view during the Christmas story. It's not exactly as we've seen it in the nativity plays, but it's still in the scriptures nonetheless. Mary and Joseph are still in Bethlehem. It's not time for them to go back to Nazareth, their hometown. But sometime between the day Jesus was born and this day that Matthew is about to describe, they have finally found a place to live instead of a cow stable. They have a house. Matthew says it in chapter 2. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came magi, wise men from the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where the Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for that's what the prophet said. And thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privately called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star appeared. And he sent them back to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. And when they departed, after hearing the king, lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them until it came and stood right over where the young child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and they worshiped him And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. And then being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they returned into their own country another way. You know, we go back to Genesis chapter 2 and the story of Adam and Eve. In that story, when God created Adam, evidently, he created him fully grown. Do you ever think about that? Adam never experienced wetting his own diaper or getting spit up all over his mom or dad or getting the colic. Adam never experienced that because God created him fully grown. I've often wondered, Why God didn't do the same thing for Jesus? He could have just put him here fully grown. He didn't have to make him be born in a manger. He didn't have to make him come into this world, an infant who had to learn how to talk and learn how to crawl and learn how to eat solid food and learn how to walk. But that is what he did. Why would he do that? Perhaps, and this is not maybe the fullest answer in the world, but perhaps God let his son be born as a baby and grow up just like all the rest of us so he could truly say he was more than familiar with what you and I would go through in our lives. That seems to be what the writer of Hebrews tells us. 
in Hebrews chapter 4. For the writer there says that we do not have a high priest who's unfamiliar or unaffiliated with our own trials. But we have a high priest who is passed in the heavens. He says we have a high priest who has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities and was tempted in all points like we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us come boldly to the throne of grace. Jesus came to experience life so that we could never, ever look at him and say, Jesus, you don't know what I'm going through. You've never been where I've been. Because the fact of the matter is, He has. He has been where you and I have been and more. For the Bible says that when angels were singing and shepherds were rejoicing and magi were searching and giving gifts, the Bible says that all the while God had Calvary on his mind. When Jesus was born, Calvary was on God's mind. Because you see, all of the things about Christmas that we enjoy, the beautiful Hallmark portraits on the Christmas cards and, and the candlelight and the, and the bows and the ribbons and the red and green and what all that is wonderful, and it is. I wouldn't want to have Christmas without it. But let me tell you, those weren't the reasons that God sent His Son. He sent His Son in the world to go to Calvary. He sent His Son into the world to die in our place. The Apostle Paul knew that. In Romans chapter 4, verse 25, he says, For Jesus was delivered for our transgressions and was raised up again for our justification. And that is the reason why every year at Christmas Eve, when we gather in this place, not only do we sing the hymns and read the Christmas stories and light the candles and set up the ribbons and hang the wreaths, But we also experience the Lord's Supper because Christmas is Christmas because of Easter. Christmas takes us to Easter. And the Lord's Supper with the broken bread causes us to reflect upon the brokenness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on our behalf. And the blood that He shed is symbolized by the juice from which we will drink. And so tonight, we celebrate the peace of Christmas. But the peace of Christmas cannot come without the violence of Good Friday and the victory of Resurrection Sunday. The writer of Galatians, Paul, said when the fullness of time had come. And now, in Luke's Gospel, In chapter 22, verse 14 says, And when the hour was come, Jesus sat down with his twelve apostles with him, and he said, With great desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will not any more eat thereof until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine again until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and he gave thanks and he broke it and he gave it to them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper, saying, This cup 
is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. As we bow for prayer, I want to ask the deacons who have been assigned to this supper to come forward. Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we're grateful to you for the peace of Christmas. We are grateful to you for the carols and the manger and the angels and the shepherds and the magi. We're thankful to you, Lord, for the hallmark artist renderings. We're thankful to you, Lord, for the smell of evergreens and the look of wreaths and ribbons and presents to be unwrapped. But, Lord, we realize that there's a sober part to Christmas, and that sober part is that Christmas had Calvary on its mind. And so, Lord, we partake of the Lord's Supper in recognition of the fact that Christmas can't be Christmas without Calvary. In Jesus' name, amen.